0: DamascusCitizens.org.
1: WJFF Jeffersonville You're listening to Radio Catskill
0: This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill Welcome to Farm and Country Locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley On today's show Keith Hubbard has a Star Talk report that highlights the planets visible in September. In his Hooked on Fishing report, Sweetwater fishing guide Evan Padua shares his love and knowledge about fishing in September. In her segment, Now You Know, we'll hear about cooking mushrooms. Stephanie Phillips finalizes her conversation in Ellenville, New York, with Ted and Ann Hall, who grow mushrooms. All of that coming up on today's Farming Country here on Radio Catskill. But first, news headlines from NPR. from NPR News,
2: I'm Barbara Klein. Louisiana's largest utility company, Entergy, says power should be restored to New Orleans by Wednesday. Mayor LaToya Cantrell is urging residents who evacuated the city because of Hurricane Ida to begin returning home. In the meantime, the city and surrounding areas are under heat advisories, and Cantrell says shelters are available in northern Louisiana and Texas.
0: We will be offering daily transportation assistance
2: to residents who wish to temporarily uh, relocate to public shelters. The U.S. Coast Guard has given the clear for normal shipping and cargo operations to resume on the lower Mississippi River. Rescue crews in the Northeast are still searching for people missing after the remains of Hurricane Ida tore through the region this week. At least 49 people are confirmed dead. Those hoping to get booster shots in a couple of weeks to increase their immunity to COVID-19 may be disappointed. NPR's Amy Held reports
0: complications could delay
2: the rollout.
0: Third doses of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines were supposed to become available September 20th. Last month, the Biden administration announced those plans for adults at least eight months out from their last shot. Now, the FDA and the CDC are advising the White House to scale back those plans. Safety data is still under review immunocompromised people can access the shots. No word on when the general population can expect to. This week, Dr. Anthony Fauci cited dramatic data from Israel supporting the rationale for boosters here.
3: I would not at all be surprised that the adequate full regimen for vaccination
2: will likely be three doses.
0: The FDA's advisory board is set to meet September 17th to discuss data. Amy Held, NPR News. Secretary of State
2: Antony Blinken heads to Qatar and Germany this weekend. Both countries are key transit points for Afghan refugees, and Doha is now a center of international diplomacy on Afghanistan. NPR's Michelle Kellerman has more. Secretary Blinken plans to visit military bases in both Qatar and Germany that are providing temporary refuge to thousands of Afghans. He will also meet with U.S. diplomats who left Kabul and are now operating out of Doha.
4: I'll convey our pride and thanks to the diplomats, troops and other U.S. government employees in Doha who are doing truly heroic work around the clock to keep this process moving forward as quickly and humanely as possible.
2: The secretary says the U.S. is committed to helping Americans and Afghan allies who did not make it out during a massive and chaotic evacuation effort. Blinken adds there are a lot of extremely complex issues to navigate. Michelle Kellerman, NPR News, Washington. This is NPR. Lebanon is set to get some help with a severe and dangerous fuel shortage. Syria says it will allow gas imports from Egypt to flow through its territory after Lebanese ministers paid the highest-level visit to Damascus in several years. And Nada Homsi reports the United Nations says it'll give Lebanon $10 million to provide electricity to hospitals...
0: This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, Sweetwater Fishing Guide Evan Padua shares his love and knowledge about fishing in September. Stephanie Phillips finalizes her conversation in Ellenville, New York, with Ted and Ann Hall, who grow mushrooms. But first, Keith Hubbard highlights the planets visible in September. Thank you for joining us for this week's Locally Produced Farm and Country.
5: For Farm and Country, I'm Keith Hubbard and this is Star Talk. The planets that will be visible in September will all be in the evening sky. By visible, we mean the planets that can be seen without the use of optical aids. Those planets will be Venus, Jupiter, and Saturn. Mars and Mercury will be too close to the sun and will be washed out by the glow of the setting sun. Venus will be in the western sky at sunset but it will be far enough away from the Sun to be visible. Venus will be to the left of the Sun at nightfall and will not be in the sky for very long. It will be visible for about one hour after sunset all month. Jupiter and Saturn will be on the opposite side of the sky at sunset. The planetary pair will be visible at sunset in the southeastern sky this month and will set in the early morning hours. They will be highest in the sky around 11 p.m. for the first half of the month and around 10.30 p.m. for the second half of the month. Use Jupiter to find Saturn. Saturn will be almost 18 degrees off the right side of Jupiter. There will be no mistaking the two planets because Jupiter will be many times brighter than Saturn. Jupiter will be nearly 20 times brighter than Saturn. All this month. Look to the west just after sunset to see Venus, and then look to the southeast later in the night to see Jupiter and Saturn. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up.
4: For Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Evan Padua, bringing you Hooked on Fishing. Happy September, everyone. I love this month. It leads to fall fishing conditions and crisp, cool air. With these weather patterns, we generally will see a steady cooling of the Upper Delaware's water temperature throughout the month. As this happens, most fish can sense the early signs of winter and will often begin feeding heavier, especially on bigger prey. Fish attempting to fatten themselves up for the winter can often be caught using larger baits or fly patterns during the fall. Most fish species in the Upper Delaware are very predatory and will not shy away at an opportunity to eat any bait fish between the 2 inch and 4.5 and inch size. So it is good to consider these size bait fish patterns, whether on a fly rod or a spinning rod. The best type of water to fish throughout the fall season in the Upper Delaware River is a slow and steady current with depth of 6 to 10 feet. This type of current with large boulder features will often hold the largest fish in the river. Do your best to find the main channel of the river, to locate the higher concentrations of fish. In general, if the river bends to the right, the channel will be on the left, and if the river bends to the left, the channel will be on the right. This is not always the case, but it is a good place to start when finding a fishing location. Using a boat, canoe, or kayak is a great way to move around the river and find the fish. Be sure to wear your life jacket. Fall is a good time to catch beautifully colored trout. The rainbow trout are mostly in shallow fast water and downstream of the fast water sections. Brown trout are on a pre-spawn feed pattern and often golden brown in color when caught. They move around a lot in the fall through calm, shallow water. Smallmouth bass are all over the Upper Delaware River and can be caught using almost any method. Three to five feet of slow water is your best bet for finding them. The walleye are deep bottom dwelling fish and it is important to locate areas of six plus feet of water and fish on or near the bottom for the walleye. Get out on the river this fall, wear your life jacket, and catch a fish. I wish you all the best of luck. For Radio Catskill, Farm and Country, and Hooked on Fishing, this has been Evan Padua, casting off.
1: Good morning this is stephanie phillips with now you know for farm and country this morning i'm speaking with a couple who arrived in ellenville fairly recently ted hall and his wife and peru hall their company mushrooms nyc grows and sells organic mushrooms i asked them about these amazing looking mushroom varieties ted what kinds of mushrooms do you grow we grow
6: shiitakes lion's mane, a variety of oysters, which are blue, yellow, and pink. We like to call it blue and yellow, silver and gold. Okay. And we grow poplar, which is also known as piopino. We grow king oyster, which is uh, also called the trumpet or edangi, And... Let's see. We are growing a little bit of hen of the woods. It's very hard to grow. We really need special spaces to do that consistently, but we sell those from where we get our grow materials in Pennsylvania.
1: How did you learn about these exotic varieties?
6: Jeez, it's so funny. When we entertained purchasing this operation that was hemorrhaging money, I hadn't really known about any of these.
1: (laughs) That's why I asked.
6: <laughs> it was it was so funny because we meet customers who are super adventurous, and I really admire them because I almost going out to a market and saying I'm gonna buy an eat these, It takes some guts. You got to be an interesting person, I guess. No like judgment of people who are like these are too weird. I'm <laughs> I'm like passing by your crazy stuff. You have to
1: be a foodie adventurer.
6: <laughs> Definitely, yeah. And I guess we're on the other end of being maybe a little too wild of like, we haven't really even eaten these varieties, let's buy a whole operation. But we knew that they were going to be delicious, and we had read and gotten into a lot of these varieties through different literature and through other foodie spaces. My wife being a chef, she's a little more familiar. Yeah, how we got into it is interesting. I think it it, it was something that had been priming and is also, I think, just circulating through our popular culture, maybe even just more grassroots culture, how important mushrooms are for health and for also just agriculture and the environment. We've been studying it slowly over time, and then there it kind of hit this moment where it's like, okay, we really love mushrooms, and these are pretty wild. Let's try to produce some of these gourmet, exotic varieties.
1: So you kind of learned as you went along.
6: Yeah, definitely, yeah.
1: Can you describe each of the varieties, what they look like, and how you would cook them?
6: Sure. And on her, her being like a pro chef, she really knows the best ways to describe some of the preparations. And we probably have different takes on how they look. Like I find our landlord, who we love him still. He said, you liken them to coral. You walk in, and it's like going into an underwater adventure place.
1: I think I'll let Ann tell us how you cook them. Oh, yeah. Can you, can you sit down? And yeah, yeah. You, so, Anna, if you go through the different varieties and tell us what they look like and how you use them.
7: Sure. So, the, I'll start with the yellow oysters. They are great in the stir fries. They're a tiny bit tangy. I like them with greens or in a stuffing. Like I, I don't like them so much on their own. And they're, they're really good just... Um, and visual, they're beautiful, you know, so they're really good with, with other vegetables. Can you describe them so our audience knows what they look yeah, like? Yeah, they're, um, they're like little yellow trumpets, like, a, you know, like the end of a trumpet. And then the silver, we also called our yellow gold, tr- gold instead of yellow, and our gray or blue, we call them silver. <laughs> so the silver, um, they're our sweetest mushroom really fleshy, they also look like trumpets with the top being the color and they're wonderful just in scrambled eggs they're just a great egg accompaniment They're delicious alone grilled on, on the grill also they, because they keep their moisture well and they're so fleshy compared to the yellows that are more delicate then we have the pink oyster which is slightly bitter Loves like a kind of a oily, creamy, buttery setting. They're really good in a creamy sauce or cheesy something.
4: They can handle lots of heat.
7: Yeah, yeah. They they they're good, crunchy. like crunchy fried, fried crunchy, that kind of thing. They keep their beautiful pink color, which is really fun. Then we have the lion's mane, which are wonderful, and they're kept without added moisture.
6: They look like... Pom pom. Some people I yeah. mean, they're described as pom poms. They look yeah. like a big giant lion's mane.
7: Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're hairy white. <laughs>
6: <laughs> they don't look like mushrooms. Hairy
7: white orbs, and uh, they're wonderful. Just like sliced and and seared oh. on the low low heat until so they're crispy. So it's like a little steak, but they they're they're a bit like for seafood lovers. They're a bit like a lobster. Let's say like kind of buttery on the inside. They can be used because you can take them apart, like little shreds of them, and make like a fake crab cake, for instance. Hmm. They're really good that way. Even
6: for people who don't like seafood, they have their own quality, too. You can make it more like seafood or more like... They're more on
7: the sweet side, too, let's say. But when they they get soggy or wet, they get a little bitter. It's not their best situation. You don't boil when you fry them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you sear them... Just don't add any water to it, don't put any like soggy wet, moisture giving vegetables. Then we have our king trumpets, which are really fleshy, they're kind of uh, big long white and uh, they're wonderful, they kind of sliced long ways and seared in butter, a little paprika thrown on the grill, just wonderful. Mushrooms, you can also slice them into the little circles along the way. and. T- that in soup. You can really feel like kind of the protein replacement from that. It's a great meat replacement. Yeah, all of them. All yeah, of them all of them, for sure. But that one, if you want to have something kind of substantial, chewy, that's really the the one. Then the Piochino is uh, the most, like, earthy, deep woods flavor. A little goes a long way. They're wonderful in a sauce. You can just make a wine sauce or a cream sauce and put it on meat or... Then you are boiling them. Um, you, you saute them a little with onions or shallots, and then you can add a little liquid, you know. Uh, but those, they just expand, the flavor expands, so they're really wonderful for the sauce. Like, a lot of people are like, what's good on a steak or what's good on chicken whatever. Like, if you want to make a saucy thing, it's great for that. Also, sorry, the pinks are really good in a uh, vegetarian carbonara instead of the bacon. You piss them up great that way and the shiitake is just the most versatile they're like the brown mushroom they're great anyway they really keep their
3: uh, beefy.
7: Their body yeah they, they keep their they keep their shape and uh, their color they're wonderful like baked in the oven like a portobello with little garlic and herbs or sliced up in the stir fry or thrown on the grill just as they are with a little olive oil
1: Are different types of mushrooms more popular in different countries?
7: Yeah, I mean, what's beautiful is that there's really a culture, especially in Eastern Europe, Russia. And I find that in North America, people are really seeking to bring that culture back. There's been a generation gap. But a lot of people, when they see our mushrooms, they're like, oh, my grandmother knew all about this, or, like, I know my parents did that, or recipes. Like, people are, try to share recipes that are so beautiful. Like, there's this man, he's from uh, former Yugoslavia. He comes to the Mountain Down Market. I love him very much. He's been here for a very long time. But he remembers this soup that is, like, the, the land soup on Christmas Day. There's kind of, like, a fast before Christmas in their tradition and they make this soup with sauerkraut and bolets so that bolets would be probably dry at that point but they would have been harvested in the fall and his soup sound so good you know <laughs> so why don't you try and make it with package so it's just a really beautiful the just, just this tradition this traditional way that people have had mushrooms in their diet for so many generations and how it, like it's inspired to come back you know it's i think that most of too. these a lot of them like the the, the pink oyster has its roots in early in It's a summer mushroom. It only grows in the summertime. It likes its warmth. The shiitake is not really to this land, but the yellows are now growing all over the place in this region right now these last few weeks. Mm -hmm. But also originally they came from Asia. They're, They're just spreading all over the place. So it's just interesting how much we learn from the customers. That's why we love farming mm-hmm. markets so much. Everybody shares something that is so personal, it's like their adventure.
6: A lot of it's being fused, like as much as there's a generational gap. The cool thing about being in the States, especially this part, is that all of these traditions are kind of family traditions are coming together. So all of our customers who are from all, from all over the world, Asia, even from Israel. Some of the varieties that people are talking about and sharing, it's like, oh, this looks a lot like this mushroom back home. or They have totally different names, of course, for the same varieties. A lot of these are pretty widespread, and they have different associations with them.
1: So why do you think, with all these possibilities, that Americans mostly eat button mushrooms?
6: Yeah. That's an amazing question.
1: I, yeah. I think
7: that with the displacement, people weren't too sure what the varieties were. There's a wow. really wild fact that I learned recently, which is that in the realm of the mushrooms, the, the mycos, there's practically one variety for every family in the world. Huh? So there's ten times less mushrooms than there are people in varieties.
6: like 700
7: it's wild. Yeah, Yes, 700 yes. million varieties of mycos. You're saying that there are more
1: mushroom varieties than there are families? They're about, about the, same. the same. About the same.
7: You know, like depending on the size of the family, but about one mushroom per 10 people. <laughs> one species, so that's really yeah. wild. So, of course, when people immigrated here, they weren't sure. Like, everyone knows yeah, to be knows. really wary of mushrooms, too. Very dangerous. Some can be very dangerous. So,. Because of that, people get, when they move, and also a lot of people move directly to cities, and then eventually if they make it back to a countryside. There's a, such a big gap. So there's all these wonderful micro-societies that are helping people relearn, the art of harvesting mushrooms because yeah. with, with, can, with pictures and descriptions is never enough. You need to like score drawings, spore prints, spore prints and stuff to like make sure your harvest is something that is safe.
6: I think there's other reasons too that in general the states after World War II of the rationing really hit our food kind of culture. So we kind of got into this package thing, mm-hmm. and so I, I, that's. Possibly an element of it I've heard too that there might even be Industry pressures that are Trying to monopolize that And maybe there's folks who are trying to guard Their little family favorite varieties In their oh, area People don't share their spots Or, or what they like <laughs> they Where I grew up everybody thinks Oh you're from New Mexico It's all full of scorpions and rattlesnakes And it's like yeah we tell people that So nobody lives there <laughs>
1: Right <laughs> Yeah, and what's the best way to store mushrooms?
7: The way we sell them is in a brown paper bag, like a lunch bag, and they're fine to just keep that way in the fridge, not in the vegetable drawer, so they still have some dry air. They store at least a week. Otherwise, you know, like sauté them or steam them and put them in the freezer. So, if you come across something really good in the forest, many people just jar things up, put them in a little brine.
6: They can be dehydrated too, And dehydrated, for, a really for long. sure.
7: Yeah. Dehydrated is another right. Do you Do you ever dry your mushrooms? We do you don't. sell them dry? No, we don't really sell them dry we yet. You want to. We it's, will, it's and we're going to be thing. making also powders of the limes, making things that are easier to make teas or smoothies or whatever ways to ingest them for nutrition and health reasons.
6: It takes a certified kitchen and it takes... Yeah, yeah,
7: we have access to all of that. We've just been in so much transition. Like, uh, after having had to leave New York City, we gratefully had the welcome of my sister and her husband to try things out there, and it's been going so well. And then we found our way here, and we're so happy to be here in this region, Southern Catskills. A lot of transition. So we're not where we hoped we would have been at this point. We really thought we would be making our own inoculations by this time our own teachers and everything but we're not there yet but we've grown in different ways which are really not things we could have fathomed so it's really wonderful well it's great to have you here it's a wonderful
1: resource for our
7: area yeah thank you so much thank you we have so much to learn still you know it's great like the amount of that we're learning at the local market from the residents is just great and so So many people in, are inviting us to their land to go check things out. We're exchanging a lot of numbers, making friends. And it's really cool. And I wanted to th- share where we are in locally. We're in four places. We're at the Rock Hill Farmers Market every Saturday from 10 to 1, I think through September and a bit of October. And then we're at the Mountain Dell second Saturdays, so every second Saturday of the month. That's an all-day event with music and food. It's really fun to have stuff for kids. And then we're at the brand-new Allenville Market on Friday evenings, every last Friday of the month. So that's, I think, from 4 to 8. Same thing with music and food
3: and wonderful
7: vendors. We just got welcome to sell through portals. So they're selling just outside of Ellenville.
1: You don't have a online delivery
7: yet? Not yet, not yet. Yeah. We need to.
3: We, we really will to. at
7: some point, but that's not the main priority yet. We will start a little winter CSA. We're gonna start collecting numbers and emails so people can come pick up at the farm or we can have another drop location a little further away. Because I guess you grow mushrooms all year round. Year round, yeah, that's the great part of it. It's a wonderful agriculture because you can grow it year round.
1: Can you tell us your
7: website? Mushrooms dot nyc.
1: So now you know about different kinds of mushrooms that you can use to vary your cuisine. Today's mushroom experts have been Ted Hall and his wife Ann Peru Hall of Mushrooms, NYC. If you have suggestions for other topics and experts for Now You Know, email stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E, at wjffradio.org. This has been Stephanie Phillips for Farm and Country.
0: Hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by volunteers, Keith Hubbard, Evan Padua, and Stephanie Phillips. Special thanks goes to our guests, Ted Hall and Ann Paru Hall, speaking to us on the details of growing and cooking mushrooms. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening to Farm and Country on Radio Catskill.
6: I'm Ari Shapiro, people who follow horoscopes say Virgos are